Hey guys, what's up? It's the Fobcast, back at it again. Um, this week we have a special guest, Ashish. Um, and this week we're going to talk about uh, reopening schools and how that's going to be and how it's going to play out. Because there's been a lot of controversy surrounding the exact process, whether it be political and like what the CDC and scientists are saying. So yeah, let's just dive right in. So, Ashish, for anyone that doesn't know you, introduce yourself. Hello. Before we get into um, anything, yeah. Yeah, so I am Ashisha Lu. I am going to be a junior this coming school year, if we have one. Um, yeah, I go to Lafayette High School, which to if there's anyone outside of St. Louis, that doesn't mean anything to you, but you call it rival school to Marquette, but it is what it is. Here we are. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah. Trash compared uh, to Marquette, by the way. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is three to one argument yeah. lost. kind of in the minority right. here yeah yeah um so i mean all like all the big colleges and universities have put out their old plans with uh coming back to school right so you had like all the ivy leagues say that they're doing like a staggered approach so i know trump was like going at harvard because they're only letting their freshmen and a select amount of upperclassmen to go back, and they're keeping their tuitions the same, which I find interesting. I don't understand why you would keep your tuitions the same. Yeah, and a lot of others I've heard, such as like Princeton, what they're doing is like they have on <coughs> online only, um, what's it called, for first semester, but then the spring semester yeah. will be in person. So in person. a lot of yeah, a lot of them are like canceling, not canceling, but like shifting their first one. So, yeah, it's going to be, like, an unfortunate series for, like, a lot of seniors and freshmen. Like, their experience is going to be tweaked a little bit. You know, they got to do what they got to do. But, well, like, why – is there is there some sort of reason why they would keep the tuitions the same? Because you're just doing Zoom. That's the entire, like, point. Like, there's no point in paying $50,000, $60,000 to literally get the same education you would get at, like, Mizzou because everything's on Zoom. You're not going to be able to do research – won't be able to do as many extracurriculars it's like i don't really understand that do you guys have any thoughts right Right. but technically so the way i look at it i was like yeah okay let's think about that but like of course they're going to take off room and board they're going to take off your meals credits whatever like whatever all those costs they're going to take those off because you're obviously not going to be on campus and they'll compensate for that but the way i'm thinking of it from a university perspective if we're trying to look at it from that side is that they still believe that they're providing the same education at those bigger universities at like Harvard or uh, any of the IVs, you don't pay by credit hour, right? So you're paying, um, you're paying rather for just like the tuition itself. So that's just the education there. So for a lot of people, when they go to those big schools, they think bigger opportunities as well, like better research opportunities, or they'll have a shot at um, gaining a better job or a better internship but just quality of education I don't know how much of that would be hindered over zoom because I know at least for us in Rockwood we had like class like what 30 minutes a week we'd show up maybe we didn't have to and it's like all optional too right exactly but like for them they had a pretty structured schedule you stuck to your normal timings and you still had your same professor and it was just the same information as if you were in college so i guess from a college perspective it makes sense especially with them hurting keeping tuition the same uh but yeah that's that's i don't know that's kind of the way i was thinking about it yeah i was thinking of it as that if you think about the cost that the universities have to pay like you know they make i mean obviously they get their revenue from tuition grants and you know federal stuff 
Um, but they have what they spend on that is you know obviously staff salaries, um, which is a decent amount for like high end professors, like high level professors. But then also like the basic cost was maintaining their facilities, keeping their programs funded, running. Um, obviously, also they're research. probably still doing yeah, they're probably still doing research and like they got to pay for all of that. So I think it's justified because I mean if you see the amount of research and like you know media they're producing and like all the stuff they got to maintain like, you know, rent, facilities, I don't, whatever it is, I think they have more costs than the standard, you know, state university does. So I, I would say it's kind of justified, but they should have at least reduced it for someone because the, the students aren't getting the value that, you know, they're getting. I know more a lot like. of students so, are going on um, gap years. Like I right. was talking to a Harvard student and he's a junior and he's saying that he's probably going to go on a gap year. But I know... For other schools, such as UMish, what they're doing is they're going to get all of their students on campus, and then for smaller classes, so like a class size of like maybe 18 students, they'll be moving those classes into larger auditoriums so that they can do the six feet apart, you know, social distancing stuff. So my question is, why would you have a school like UMish being able to do that when they have a way larger student body, probably not as well-funded facilities too because when you're looking at it harvard definitely has a higher tuition uh and you know all that kind of stuff so why would umich be able to do that and you know a school like harvard with a smaller student body you know not Mm -hmm. be able to do something similar see that's like that's what i was thinking about i was like yeah because although even if like harvard's bringing back like their freshman class so like in that way you could if you put everyone in singles, maybe like a room apart, blah, 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 you could figure out a way in which everyone has limited contact. But when you go to a huge state school in which a lot of the population of Michigan ends up going to either Michigan or Michigan State, so, I mean, at that point you have high enrollment into Michigan, University of Michigan. So even if you are able to uh, able to socially distance classes and like spread them out, as you were saying, so but... If you think about it, college isn't only about classes. People don't only go to class, come back, right? Like, even if you can't regulate how much social gatherings there are in a college, like, no matter what happens, even in their own buildings or own apartments, students will still meet up and still find a way to have fun. So if they're doing that, there's a reason why in the spring they immediately sent them home as fast as possible and said you have to be off campus by, like, next week and gave them the yeah. short notices because it was such a hot spot, and it's pretty much just a Petri dish for coronavirus just to spread. Right. At that point, we we come to, should schools even open? Like, because, like, yeah, sure, you want your students on campus, you want them to have an education, but at this point in time where we don't have a structured treatment for it where we know and say, okay, this will work every time, or we don't have a some sort of preventive measure. I just don't know. It's yeah, I mean, it, 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 Leon, go in, ahead. Yeah, it, in determining that, answering that question, whether schools should reopen, I think an important variable to take into account is um, how a lot of underprivileged students will be affected um, because they won't have maybe they won't have a solid like internet connection, or they rely on school resources a lot. So I think that's an important variable to take mm-hmm. into account. Right. Yeah. And it gets into a lot of state regulations and national regulations of like, you know, the no child left behind and like how every student has to have access to the equal opportunities. 
And I think once we shifted to online, all of those, you know, fractures and like, you know, inequalities were exposed because a lot of the kids, obviously, they didn't have access to internet at home and they didn't have access to reliable technology to, you know, maintain that internet. But if they would have gone to school um, regularly, they would have, you know, gotten more equal opportunities. But now with everything being online, that's like another factor that, you know, I think yeah. we should talk about. And too. then looking at the higher education aspect of all of this, too, you have international students. And if you look at the headlines, you have Trump saying that international students need to be deported or something. I, I, right. Does anyone so basically, have like... Yeah, yeah so basically uh, what they were saying is that Trump is saying that if a student doesn't attend at least one course on campus, so that's the key on campus, it has to be in person. If a student does not attend that class, then they will be required to leave the country or else ICE will deport them. So for, <laughs> yeah, so for universities like such as many of the IVs, like uh, maybe like juniors and seniors and IVs, or like Harvard, for example, since we already brought that one up, they are going to be forced to leave the country if Harvard doesn't win this lawsuit or doesn't find a way and a loophole to get at least one in-person class for each of those students some way or another. But then by doing that, you just end up getting everyone back on campus. And once again, we run into the original problem that we first started discussing. So... I don't know, I was thinking about this, and I don't know if this is just like an interesting way of Trump trying to twist the hands of students and forcing them to attend a school and stay in the United States in order to get us back to normalcy as soon as possible, but I don't know. I think it's more of a political move rather than like anything else, because if you're looking at it, like these international students aren't bringing in the virus, because they've been on U.S. soil, right? right? If anything, those the places they're coming from probably have a better have probably had a better reaction to the coronavirus than the United States, right? right. So I find that sort of like oh they're bringing in the coronavirus to be really stupid. I think it's more pol- yeah. politics than anything. He's trying think, to get his yeah, conservative base more energized, uh, you know, because you have all of these hillbillies and like rednecks and stuff going against like. <laughs> Asian people, African people, right. Hispanic people, and I think this is just trying to get hatred, you know, right. like oh, you know, screw them. They're taking our spots in Harvard. Your kid right. can't get into Harvard, but go for that. Cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think I think the issue is that the virus was politicized in the first place in the US. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest factors of why we have such high cases. Like none of the other countries, you know, even had the thought or the idea to politicize a virus because that's obvious you don't want to politicize something that affects everyone no matter their social stru- you know you know economic background social structure views you know it doesn't really choose who to affect it's it's all just based on you know who you're in contact with and you know scientific factors but when the US and you know the leaders of the US brought politics into it you know how even now i guess i assume i think i've seen that trump is like tweeting that you know the democrats want to reopen schools and he doesn't want to reopen right. schools no it's the other like, way around i think or yeah Three. the uh, one of the ways around but you know, having making those choices and, you know, you know, it's OK to have choices. But the issues is that uh, making those, you know, scientific choices politicized is a really bad idea, I think. And I yeah. think that's the big issue. And it's just I feel like his just rhetoric has just been so terrible. Like he literally said that if a school doesn't open, he's going to cut federal like spending on education. 
and their funds. Mm-hmm. How dumb of an idea is that? You're like, <laughs> yeah. That's I like, and with him, I don't even know. Like, can he make an executive order that does that? I don't really know. But now you're gonna have Republican like politicians and conservative Americans doing this and then completely disregarding the coronavirus and, you know, putting their children at risk. And I just, I mean, we're now we're getting into politics, but I don't know. I feel like, like Sid said, you can't make this a party issue. You can't make this coming back to school partisan. And that's what's going to happen. And that's what's happening. Okay, so let's let's shift to like focusing on. Uh, we covered a lot of politics, but I think we should focus on like what we think the reopening process would look like, and you know what would be the you know how would it look like for us and maybe schools across the nation, and what schools are you know thinking about doing now. So I know I in think- like California, I mean I'm pretty sure that like most of the liberal states like California, New York, you know the Northeast, I think they'll right. probably be a bit more hesitant to going back. I know like there's a article like many uh, New Yorkers are wanting their schools to be reopened. And obviously there's a lot of benefits that come from that because you won't have parents like being stuck at home with their kids and then kids being stuck at home doing nothing. And it's just a lot safer for them to be at school. But I mean, with coronavirus, are they really safe? Kids are kids. Yeah. They're going to screw around and, like- and not wash their hands right and the thing is the issue is is like you know for us i think middle schoolers high schoolers they kind of have a sense of like maturity i mean most of us they have a sense of like general knowledge to like you know social distance and you know stay away and like follow proper precautions but the majority of elementary school kids like they would still but those kids are the ones real at risk and i i think one of the best ways to put it is like you know when we're usually at school like you know we get sick every you know couple weeks maybe once a like, couple months from like normal stuff and that's just because we're in contact with so many people but once there's a like a serious virus or a serious you know um you know harmful you know virus present it's going to be way worse and i think the issue i think one of the biggest things is that like it's undernoted is that um it has to do with like the indoor facilities themselves because the way that they're structured with air conditioning and airflow is to like have the airflow contact every person and more effectively for, you know, just a bunch of like technology and engineering stuff like that. But that's why all these outdoor places are open. And that kind of worries me for schools is that, you know, when you have kids even wearing masks, there's still a possibility that the virus may spread through the air because indoor facilities are obviously more um, suited for spreading viruses. Yeah, so I mean, that's another factor. I, I, I saw a really good tweet. It was that, like, schools can't even handle, like, lice. When you one kid gets lice, <laughs> everyone gets lice. It's going to be the same thing. That's that's my two cents. Right. And, like, the other thing is, like, <laughs> even during, like, the flu and stuff, like, I remember, I think it was when we were, like, in elementary school, middle of elementary school, there was that one time where, like, school attendance was, like, at a 40% because of, like, oh, that yeah. huge flu wave. I remember Where, it. like, mm-hmm. literally there was, like, half, like, a quarter of the class missing every day and like it would just be different groups of kids and like the thing was like at that point it was like oh it's just the flu this is a seasonal thing we can get rid of this but at this point you have a place where kids like during recess like elementary school they go from playing kickball outside or playing on the swings or the monkey bars directly back inside Mm. and just start eating their lunch 
like they don't enforce that you have to do, use hand sanitizer. You don't have to do this. They walk in lines in the hallway, one behind another. It's like they're they're just so antsy, and they're just they need to be have a structure and need to be controlled to a point where you can't have them all six feet apart, all wearing masks during a school time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, looking at Marquette, you have twenty six hundred kids in like a three story school. When you when it's lunchtime, literally it's like a maybe six inches apart from other people. Like maybe not even six inches, like two inches apart from people. When you're in the hallway, you're literally shoulder to shoulder with other people. You get coughed on a lot, right? Right. So (laughs) Right. And then also, um, class sizes. Like, you know, all these I've seen pictures of like, you know, potential like how school might come back. It's like the desks are like obviously six feet apart. And I saw like 10, 15 kids in a class. I mean, I've only had two or three classes that have 10, 15 kids in a class. They've only the been rest A-Lart. of them are all, exactly. It's like very smaller selective classes. But like the rest, like the most of the classes that everyone takes, 20, maybe even higher, you know, 25, 26. Yeah. And that's going to be horrible for that to happen. Like, I, like, even if they split up the classes, like we don't have the room, we don't have the, you know, even Marquette and Lafayette, I think are getting overcrowded with before corona so i like there's so many flaws with going back in person that i think the flaws just outweigh going back i honestly any other option i think it's doable i think the only Mm -hmm. way you can do it is if you elongate the school day so i don't think you can have the eight or nine hours school day because if you're going to i mean obviously 2600 kids are not going to be in the school at the same time like I feel like everyone knows that, and that is just, you know, common ground. Um, but also, you can't have 1,300 kids because I don't think you can do social distancing with 1,300 kids in a school. So it's going to be like 25% occupancy, and even with that 25% occupancy, you're not going to have every single kid in the hallways at the same time. You're going to have kids, one group of kids going to one area, stop, let other kids go to some, some area, so you'll never be in contact. Never right that's an ideal scenario yeah that's never that's not going to happen in an eight oh, hour right, school yeah. day right? right that won't happen um so i feel like you're definitely going to have to elongate the school day and you're going to have to have these waves where people are moving so like you'll have one group going into school one group going out of school teachers going into school teachers going out of school i feel like um and within those waves it should be like you know this science class is being taught right and then I feel like also with the groups that aren't at school, it's going to have to be Zoom. Right. How would you think that would affect, you know, like, are extracurriculars in sports even going to be a thing? Right. That's what I was thinking of. Like, what is Misha going to do? Um, yeah. Like, obviously, like, you can't play football. They canceled football. a lot of the, like, the, they were supposed to, like, redo a lot of, like, the seasons, like, right now, right. but I think they canceled them or something. Yeah, like, you can't do football non-contact, obviously. You have to be within <laughs> six <laughs> feet of one another. But, yeah, another I mean, thing I was like, thinking about. Like, speaking of, like, activities, like, another thing, like, a lot of people don't think about is, like, the music department. Like, if you see, like, the size, like, the band room, the orchestra room, the choir room, like, they're pretty small when you put the instruments in there and you put all those students in there. It's, like, I think, like, each band class in my school is, like, 40 kids. It's probably around the same at Marquette, maybe a little bit bigger at Marquette as well. 
but it's about like 40 kids per class and at that point everyone has to be pretty close together and then you have air blowing around and then just recirculation in that room for three classes right so then it just turns into that turns into another germ thing and then anyone that leaves from there so then another problem you run into with kind of like what you were saying Soham is like where people go in and out of school they have to based off of like certain groups and like not everyone in there at once the problem you run into I feel like is like kind of like how we were talking about with No Child Left Behind earlier about how everyone has to have equal opportunities and has to be able to gain like the the best education that they can and equal education as everyone else. So if there are, let's say, 75% of the uh, the student body wants to go back, but we can only, only uh, like have room for 25% and... Uh, be able to provide a in-person schooling for 25% of students, you run into an issue of those other 50% of students saying that that it's not fair to them because they also want to go back to school and also want to gain that in-person education again. So then you're left at the school and the administrators are left at the dilemma. And like I think for sure we have to like think from like administrator's perspective like how many different scenarios they have to think of right now. And honestly, yeah. I, yeah. And, and, and one of the one of the solutions to that, like Soham was saying, wasn't it to uh, make the school longer and then divide it, like give each group a, a designated amount of yeah. time, or like yeah, like have alternating days. Like group one comes on the first day, like group one through three come the first day, and they'll go from like seven to eleven, and then eleven to three, then three to seven, or something like that, right? Right. So you get like five, four, three hours of school. And like that. Um, but I think another big thing we have to take in mind is you have the city kids, the kids that get bused. Right. And their trips are an hour long. They're in the completely different environment than when we live in. And I, you, I don't think they'd be willing to drive in, you know, an hour to get a subpar, you know, in-person uh, experience. Like, that just doesn't make sense to me, and I doubt it would make sense to them too, right? So then again, that goes to No Child Left Behind because that was No Child Left Behind was mainly there to get you know their education better and on par with suburban kids. So um, that's another thing. How do you provide an equal education experience to kids that don't live in the school districts and have to get bused? I mean, like, obviously, I know, like, earlier in the year, Rockwood was giving out, like, uh, Wi-Fi routers, and, like, right. we obviously all have Chrome Chromebooks, books, yeah. and I know that they were doing, trying to do, like, the, they would give out food and stuff, too, mm -hmm. but, like, again, for the kids living in the city, you're not driving an hour just right. to get, you know, bread. And and the logistics of organizing, like, three different, like, shifts or whatever for students is insane, because... There's going to be conflicts with, like, I don't know, parents' hours. Right. There's going to be, like, obviously student disputes. Like, my friend's in this one. I want to switch to this one. And, like... I mean, I, honestly, gonna they're going to have mess. to live with that. Suck it up. Like, right. yeah, yeah, your friend's not in this <laughs> one. Cool, great. FaceTime them. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Like, I, I think mean, there's I, yeah. two things here. So, one, I think we got to... Uh, 
we have to give applause to the administrators for what they did in the spring at the attempt yeah, that yeah. they gave. Like all of a sudden, just everything comes down. They try and find a way to make sure every student has adequate internet, and is they made sure to check with us multiple times to make sure that we uh, had the connection, and they checked with us every day in the first week to make sure that we were able to complete all of our work. Then they attempted to pro provide food to those that weren't able to. Whether or not it reached, they still made an effort. So now I feel right, like right. they're held to pretty high standards going into the fall where now everyone expects them to have learned quite a bit from the spring and have a completely new idea and be able to turn this into like just a normal environment again. And I feel like for us it's easy because a majority of us will be able to drive by um, next year for like us high schoolers. So that's like one thing that's nice for us. So sectioning off might not be a problem if you have like a neighbor or someone and like you have no other way because if they can't provide buses, right? They can't provide rocket transportation for those. Yeah, they can't Let's at say all. five miles at radius rather than the one mile radius right now, then you could like find someone a neighbor or someone that can drive you and as long as you guys like just stay safe know that you guys uh know who each other has like been around to make sure you guys have like your own little bubble and as long as you're able to keep that up you're still able to get to school but the problem is that parents works are now opening back up jobs are opening and parents have to go back to work so in the spring that worked out because elementary schoolers a big thing that they had to do was that they got homeschooled they the teachers themselves didn't really teach much for elementary schoolers they just sent assignments and like worksheets and uh whatnot to the parents and it was up to the parents to figure out mm -hmm. what to do and how to get this into the child's mind and of course like being an elementary school is, teacher is not easy at all so f for turning a nine to five working parent into a elementary school teacher is crazy so now if you're trying to section off elementary schoolers uh uh, elementary schoolers school times and sending them in at different times that doesn't work for parents obviously yeah. but then asking for them to stay at home doesn't work for parents because they have to go back to work and they can't still teach their kids and take control of them yeah and plus you. like that age group is like also at high at risk right you have high, yeah. you're no, you're not your immune system age. isn't developed yet what are you saying leonk what what age group were you talking about like elementary school kids because okay. they're still young right they're immune system hasn't you know gotten to the point where it's at like its peak uh performance and i mean also you're talking about kids that are like six years old they don't know what's going on and they don't have the maturity to know what's going on we have to you know understand that but like when you look at you know wild horse like the elementary school i went to uh i mean how many kids do you have in that in that you have like around 600 700 kids right in a tiny school too Compared, like compared to Crestview or uh, Lafayette or Marquette, it's a tiny school, but it has a larger student body than many high schools in Missouri, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So you, like you were saying, Ashish, you can't, you know, do the staggered approach because right. certain kids can't, like their parents can't drop them off, right? And you can't really do busing either because how do you keep a six feet apart? Like, do you just do alternating seats? Like, even I that mean, isn't six feet apart. And then some buses, Rockwood has one bus fleet. So that one bus driver might do elementary school, middle school, and high school right, all in exactly. one day. And then twi two cycles of that. So you can't clean it between everyone. Yeah, it would be a nightmare to do that, too. So, I mean, 
I think what's probably going to ha- happen when you get to the elementary school level, what I see them doing is getting like trailers mm. and increasing the amount of space they have or moving outdoors. I I think that's probably the best way to go because when you move outdoors, obviously the virus isn't going to spread as much going off of what Sid said earlier. You're not going to have the AC and the ventilation and because the ventilation connects everyone to everyone right and now there's research saying that the coronavirus isn't only spreading through like your respiratory particles and stuff it's actually spreading through the air like you don't need to sneeze to give it to someone you can literally just breathe and it'll just stay in the air and you can get it right so that's incredibly scary so i think the only way you can really combat that is if you just go outdoors um which i feel like Mm -hmm. is a viable option right outdoor Mm. classrooms i feel like kids would enjoy that it's more interactive and you're you're going to be able to do the six feet apart right at a high school level all schools have this yeah um, yeah most schools they don't have the spaces and like proper infrastructure to like transition because they'd have to bring out you know different like areas for them to teach build them develop them and like a lot of these things like i don't even know how the schools will have funding to maybe buy a trailer to buy this and buy that like even when like the you know like executives are saying to cut off funding if they don't open like you know i, I mean, don't even dude, know like, like literally like if the federal government just had a better budget system like just get rid of the military spending and put it into education well, but that's honestly, just another that's another topic right but, that's 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 completely different criticism. but <laughs> i mean but like you're just it's just it's really hard the logistics behind it just suck Right. Everything just sucks about this whole situation. And, like, the worst mm-hmm. thing about it is, like, doctors and, like, medical specialists don't see an end to this. Like, I think uh, Fauci said, Dr. Fauci said that we could reach a point where we're getting 100,000 new cases a day. And yet people yeah. are still out of their house throwing, like, backyard proms and, like, still going out and, like, COVID parties. friends. Party. Right, like, a COVID parties in Alabama where they pay the person... <laughs> Oh, dude, there's some in Missouri. Like, I yeah, know, in Missouri like, as well. Like, I know people they that have done that. the first person to get COVID. Like, really? Like, that is what this world has come to, where we are celebrating someone getting COVID. Yet our numbers are going up, and yet a lot of people are just disregarding it. I think right. this is only in America, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it, I, think, I think it just comes down to the fact we politicized it. Right. I mean, like, yeah, it's also individualism. And, like... It's individualism, right. individualism as well. We have, we have this sort of notion that we can do whatever we want, whenever, like whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. Right? I'm gonna have fun. I do not care about anyone else. I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna get plastered. I'm gonna get drunk. I don't care. Right? Right. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that is now starting to be seen in high school students like i the mm-hmm. number of stories i've heard of kids that got the coronavirus and then going out to party with the knowledge that they have covid is very scary right like i know at like yeah. marquette i think we probably have upwards of 30 cases really yeah yeah because there's the announcement that like five or six had it like before but that was they, and so then there they... were three cases so ksdk yeah, or like some sort of news uh, news uh like local news channel was like, oh yeah, Marquette has three cases, and right, then that's what I saw. right, and then you ask around and you're like, oh no, it's like twenty, and then you ask around more and it's like, nah, it's like thirty. Like that was just like what Marquette heard, right? Yeah, 
And that was like a couple weeks ago too. Now it's probably even more. Like the thing about it again is like kind of like status. Like you as like a student, like I'm not saying this is right, but like some students and like some people, like if they have like some sort of party coming up, they don't want to be like, oh, I have a possibility of infected so I can't go out. They'd not rather pussy. just go out. And they just want to be like, okay, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to have fun. If it happens, it happens. Yeah. And I own up to it. If it doesn't, then we just stay silent about it. But I think that's like the worst thing because I think another problem is, like Sid was saying, we politicize everything here in America. So if someone tells someone to wear a mask, they're like, no, it's my... Oh, you're liberal. Like, yeah, uh, you're liberal. Retarded. You're not staying with my constitutional right to do whatever I want, blah, blah, blah. But then all of a sudden, you have like just... Some people, I think, I think the problem co- boils down to kind of our generation, just a little bit older than us, so like from the range of like 15 to like 25, because like in our age group, there's a lot of people that aren't fully educated on just like social issues in general and the difference between a social issue and a political issue, as well as that and now like a medical issue, but yet they're tying it into both social issues right. and yeah. political issues. And the that- f- problem is, is that we're all just... Or that not we, but, like, people are just taking, like, tidbits of information that they hear from their biased news source, such as, like, a Fox or, like, an MSNBC, both sides. So they just take a tidbit of information there and just run with it, and they just base their whole political, quote-unquote, ideology based off of those few pieces of information that they hear and then tie that into their whole way of thinking. Can we just Mm -hmm. all agree, before we get into anything else, that Rockwood Summit and Eureka are just going to go to shit? Like they're 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 done. Like it's like a flood going in again. Like Eureka's done. Yeah. Yeah, I think almost all schools. But like, yeah, that's gonna. Be yeah. But then I have an interesting theory regarding that. If we are to go back, I have a feeling that Rockwood Summit and Eureka are gonna be the best off because if you think about it, their enrollment has been down so much, and it's been flooding towards like enrollment has been flooding towards like Lafayette Marquette, and like the oh, number yeah. of students in Eureka and Rockwood Summit is pretty much like. The size, the class sizes are very small at Rockwood Summit at this point compared to Lafayette and Marquette. So at this point, you have more liberty to like space out students in a class. Uh, that's true. That's actually a good class. point. The building sizes are still the same, maybe even bigger than ours. I'd yeah. say Rockwood Summit yeah. is pretty big compared to both Lafayette and Marquette. So at that point, they have more room to spread students out. So it'd be interesting to see how different opening pans at like a national level. Because I think one school we didn't talk about was um, one of the Ivies was Brown. They're employing a trimester system. Yeah, I read about that, yeah. Which is going to be interesting comparing it to, like, a Harvard where students, only freshmen go, comparing it to, uh, I think we said Princeton, where they all go second semester, and then just like a normal state school, like a Michigan or KU or Mizzou, where they go first semester and then come back home after Thanksgiving and don't go back until start of second semester. So it's just going to be interesting comparing all these plans and seeing, because for all we know, like us going into our junior year, where for all of us, it's definitely going to be our hardest year, course load wise, and then as well as just like other like extracurriculars as well. So balancing all of that, maybe our senior year could be the same way. So it's going to be interesting to see, because like honestly, right now there's pretty much like there's no like. It seems like by the way everyone like makes it seem like you see from like numbers rolling in every day, it doesn't seem like there's light at the end of this tunnel for the foreseeable future right now. So Yeah. It's gonna be interesting for sure to see how all the schools different plans and attempts at um attempts at making sure that the virus doesn't spread. I mean, okay, if we're looking at the online aspect, 
I think the first mm-hmm. change I'd like to see is making um I think if we can do it, I think we should get tests at school. Like I think we should test at school and where you actually have a proctor and stuff because if you do you can't do proctored exams at home. You really can't. Mm-hmm. Like with the right. AP exam it works because you scare everyone into not cheating. Right. Because right. like I don't know if they have my IP address, so I'm not going right. to try. Right. But right. schools but, can't do that. So Our, I have a question uh, for all three of you guys, I guess, first before we continue. Have you guys, like, done, like, a segment on, like, your thoughts on online school yet? Or no? No. Because that is something uh, we could go into because I don't – like, a lot of people have different experiences with online school. So, like, with – I was taking, like, challenging classes online and just, like, you know what I mean, like – Oh yeah, having yeah. to oh, yeah, balance yeah. like taking AP exams online, still preparing for those same exams throughout, um, throughout like a time period of like confusion and like not really sure, and especially with all of us being sophomores, if we took an uh, AP class, this was, a, this was our first year, so without yeah. us knowing how the exam is, um, we still had to go into it, and I don't know, I I, I guess I would just be curious in hearing what all of your guys' experiences were with online schooling. I mean, online school is literally just me being able to do nothing at home and still being able to get A's. Like, I used online school (laughs) as a way to get all of my A-minuses up to an A. So, like, Mm -hmm. it was with the way they... I actually kind of liked it a lot better than general schools because it was easier. I don't know why, but, like, I I seemed to learn better without having the pressure of, like, grades detrimenting your learning. See, for me, it was like there was just no pressure. But I think... But, right, like, I think yeah, same. But for most people, like when they saw that grades don't matter, I I bet half of them gave up. Right. Yeah, I or they, did. you know, they they most of them like yeah, even me like at towards the end, like some of the useless assignments that weren't that significant. Like, you were the only person off. I know that actually did the assignments. <laughs> like I know, dude, that, that's going facts. into AWARP and going into Spanish and going into just those classes. I literally my whole mindset was I'm going to get my grade above a 94 or 95 and I quit. Like, so right. the one week in, I got my grade above a 94 or 95, I quit. I was like, nah, I ain't right. doing this anymore. <laughs> right. I know, but, like, for, for general class and stuff like that, I just felt like I learned a lot better. Like, right. I don't know why, but, like, rather than having the pressure in mm-hmm. class, but that's only me, like, for people who are, gen- like, somewhat interested in learning. But for the most people, like, for most people, nah, I, don't, I think a lot of them liked it, a lot of them hated it, but I think it was just varying, but... I mean, Bro, we can all try agree taking that AP, AP exams were a mess. Online, have fun with that. Facts. Like, well, nah, yeah. that didn't happen. There's no way I'm guy. taking chem. So for for me, for me, online learning was it was it was such a good experience. Um, and personally, I think that um, online learning, it, like s- school, is almost useless in learning. Um, I think that's not really the point of school. I think the point of school really should be to socialize. And, like, half the things that I know, like, all of my music production skills and, like, I'm, I'm teaching myself how to code right now. Like, all of this knowledge that I'm getting is just online. Right. And, like, you can, anyone can easily obtain all this information. Like, Khan Academy is all free. So, uh, online learning, I'm, like, um, I really uh, right. support it, it. It lets you kind of do your own thing and make sure, like... Yeah, and then you also, like, especially, like, finding information and using resources, like... For example, like, for preparing for APs, like, teachers would have given, like, a strict routine, or, I don't know, not a strict routine, but, like, certain resources, but online, it forced you to find, like, what works best for you, and you had the, you had the room to, like, not just do, like, what the teacher assigned, because you didn't like it, but 
prepare the best way you found. So I have a counter argument. You had the time. Right. So when you look at history, we had to do a DBQ and that is it. When you look at Ken, we had to do two short, like two questions. They had 14 parts or something like that. Right. Nothing compares to taking the AP chem exam, sitting there for two hours doing just chemistry or like two hours doing history and like having hundreds of multiple choice questions right so us being able to choose what we want to do works because we had a 45 minutes exam where we could search stuff up if we wanted to right right right. i could i had all of my chem notes open right right so i don't Mm. think that having like so online learning was pretty much just unstructured bullshit time right like it was just (laughs) you don't do anything And teachers don't care what you do. There is no sort of accountability, right? And obviously, the, in the perfect world, you don't need to be accountable to do your work. There shouldn't be any sort of reason you don't want to. Like, you should be like, oh, I want to do work. Yay, learning. But that's not the case. <laughs> you had, like, your grade doesn't matter. Your grade didn't matter. And I think that going into the fall, your grade has to matter. Like, I right. should not be like pushing assignments off because there is no point in me doing it no incentive because there, yeah, there's no incentive, right? There should be an incentive to do that. If it, whether it be grades, whether it be some sort of like extra credit, whether it be for resume, I don't really know, but like, right. It can't be the same situation. I pretty sure all of us agree on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like it. I never yeah, like, I, think I didn't they, like online they'll, learning at what all. What they'll end up doing is making, you know, like the assignments and homework and all that stuff um, weighted and like like graded, but then they might make the test. I don't know. They might have some flexibility there of like how it exactly. Because I remember like Rockwood rolled out the ALP, which was like pretty structured and it like it was it well was organized and like right? all the teachers. But there was no teachers to knew, do anything. Like, right. Right. But like, I don't know. I, they're definitely going to have to implement something that's not like the same. Uh, Bro, literally Del school, Pizzo, like, like our history teacher said why don't we let's try to get an average of a hundred on our quiz these are quizzes that kids get 75s <laughs> on during the school year and now right. everyone is getting a hundred right and this is the same thing going to happen during the fall like you can get every single class like you can grade every single assignment but every single kid's gonna get a hundred because you're just gonna right. search that shit up so i got a couple things right. to say so like first I think one of the things about the ALP was that a lot of teachers were like, okay, if a student's grade is where it is, like obviously they said it can't drop lower than it is. So then at that point, a lot of teachers who had pretty high grades or like had like a, like a pretty high average grade, like between maybe like a B and an A, like that's pretty good for a teacher's average, like teaching like let's say an AP class where AP world where usually like the scores are pretty distributed because of the wide variety of kids that end up taking that as their first AP class. So at that point, if this, if a teacher has like a high B average, at that point they have no incentive to make any more challenging assignments and uh, like push students to do more because like personally my three teachers, they just gave us a DBQ every week and said do it if you want. If you don't know... We didn't even nothing. get DBQs. Like Dang. he gave us like five DBQs in the beginning. Wait, what... Were you talking, are you talking about world issues yeah, world, or like what world. classes? Like oh, world, okay. for example. Like they would just give us DBQs and then for like bio, they just gave us DBQs and didn't, they didn't ask us, like our teacher didn't even grade them. 
he would just roll out the answer key to us the day after that. He would be like, okay, grade it if you want, grade it if you don't. So I think another thing, but then on the flip side as well as like grades not dropping that much during there or grades not, grades not changing that much. Another thing was like in Calc BC that I took last year, I had a 89.2 going into fourth quarter and we still had, I think, 350 points left in the semester had we had a fourth quarter. But at that point, my teacher dropped all our tests and just said homework assignments. And I had like a 98 in the homework section. So at that point, I didn't even have an opportunity to raise my grade, right? So, I mean, at that point, like, my teacher ended up making, like, like a different thing for me and said, like, if I get a 5 on my AP exam, if you'll round it, whatever. So, like, te- it was up to the teachers at that point to figure out how they wanted to incentivize working hard and making sure that you work to keep your grade up. So uh, I think another thing that we have to look at is the fact that just online school in general, like, I think Leung brought a good point up about how, like, what is the true point of school? Because, like, for some people who want to do, like, super technical surgeries or want to do, like, like serious chemistry when they grow up, blah, 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 like, they need, like, an in-person lab experience. Like, that, like, school makes sense on a daily basis where they go in and take these challenging classes. But then for people, like, Leung, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do something, like, with music or something when you grow up, right? Yep, robotics. Right, so robotics music, like, that's something you can learn in your own setting, and that's something that you can learn at your own pace and learn through trial and error, whereas school doesn't give you that much of an opportunity for trial and error. So then if you remove the aspect of in-person schooling away, it relieves the stress on a lot of students. And like Sid, like you were saying, you're able to learn easier in that environment where that stress is removed. But for me personally, I if I don't have, like, that in-person setting, like, I feel like Liang was, like, as Liang was saying, the point of school is to socialize. I feel like as I'm socializing in school and I have my peers around me, I'm able to, like, motivate myself and push myself to keep working and keep, uh, like, pushing myself to do better and whatnot. So for me personally, that's my drive. So being in-person is, like, the best learning environment for me. And I think it's something that the administrators have to take into account where, like, I feel like this not only will define how our schooling system is during like a uh, pandemic situation or like during a huge like large-scale like disaster per se not disaster per se but like a large-scale event but this will also change how schooling goes in the future so the feedback that we give them now about online school because like who knows maybe if this went well this could have been something that they implement because no matter what like this like super viruses whatnot is going to be a huge threat that's going to be looming over everyone in their heads and like just like conscious in general so was could online schooling be something that we could implement is these things that they need to take into account and for some kids just not being in school didn't motivate them even if like they still knew that they had to build on this knowledge for a future year they just they still didn't keep on learning because they saw no point because the American schooling system whether we like it or not has come down to grades hasn't showed like how much you've actually learned it's just what do your grades look like and that will help you get to a higher next level, like to have better that's grades. A, yeah, yeah go that's for a it. good point because yeah. because some kids they thrive on or they or at least they really crave um, like that that certain school environment. Um, whereas um, someone like me, um, I, I could care less <laughs> <laughs> other than other than meeting my friends. Um, and I asked my cousins who go to SLU um, what SLU is planning on doing. So. SLU to, to kind of like um, find that balance. SLU is having the hybrid uh, hybrid 
um, formula. Mm -hmm. So you do some online and some in person, um, right. just to try and find that balance for students who do want to do it and, and just want to stay at home. Right. I think a big thing to also consider is about second semester or like, mm -hmm. you know, after I feel like January, February of 2021, because by that time, I hope we have a vaccine. And I think that most people assume that we're going to have a vaccine by that point. So I think I, I, in my opinion, I feel like by March or April, I feel like everything should be back to normal when it comes to, I mean, it won't ever be back to normal, but you would at least have a vaccine, right? So that's, that's I think that's what we're a lot of places are banking on because schools are just hoping that they'll be able to bring all the students back when they send them back home in November and they're required to go home. They're just hoping that they have a way in which they can protect all the students and bring them all back at once for second semester, which I think, I don't know, is an interesting gamble that they're trying to take. I think it's a fair gamble because it's like literally all, like every CDC official has stated that there probably will be a virus by the end of this year. So Vaccine. Or I crap. I meant vaccine. <laughs> right. I I swear, if there's another virus, I'd literally. Oh my gosh. Cry. But, all right. Sid, were you gonna close out? Do oh, we yeah, want to close out? Yeah, I up. think I think we've cut. I think we talked about everything we wanted mm -hmm. to talk about. Right. Does right. anyone have any closing thoughts? Anything they uh, want to share? I just think. It's good. Whatever our schools do, we have to be ready to, as students, we have to be ready to take whatever they say and just run with it and not, because we, at this point, we have no choice but to blindly follow them. If each student comes in with their own ideologies into a school year, if they bring it back in person, or if they keep it online, they bring their own attitude and bring their own personal beliefs into it, we run into a huge issue of where students are doing their own thing. So I think at us as students, no matter where you are, Rocket School District, whatever, outside, a college student, whatnot, you have to be ready to do as your school says and not try and go against that because that's the only way we can try and make this world back to normal and resume our normal education and make sure that we are able to continue to gain an education and hopefully get back to normal in the future. Well said. Mm -hmm. Retweet. It's a good point. Right. And to add on to that for closing point, um, also, wash your hands, <laughs> go outside, wear a mask, and Max. just don't be stupid. Right. I, yeah, that's right. the that's best the advice goal. anyone can say. <laughs> yeah, new CDC commissioner right there. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, that was a good episode. That was a long one. But, yeah, I guess we're going to wrap things out now. Um, yeah, make sure you guys uh, check us out on social media at FOB Media. We have all the stuff on there. FOBcast is out basically everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. I don't know everywhere um so yeah check it out when you guys are done and then yeah thanks for listening um, yeah oh Ashish, you out. can you can shout out yourself before we leave oh yeah if you want to oh <laughs> um, yeah. yeah my instagram is uh at ashish.alu44 uh yeah thank you guys for having me it's yeah of course. No of course yeah all right fobcast out <laughs>